Hey, it's Peter here with my FSHD, and uh, I'm here today on uh, World FSHD Day with uh, our CRISPR goddess, uh, Carice uh, Himeda. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I brought her back because, you know, our last episode, we answered some questions. Um, we didn't answer all the questions. Actually, we got a lot more questions than we answered. We got kind of off going. Yep. And uh, I don't know if it's uh, uh, appropriate to say that some of our answers upset people or maybe misunderstood or whatever. I don't know. This is, I'm going to go with this and let's see what you think about this. You can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. Shock flew up. It was clearly in. How can you possibly call that out? How many you can miss? <laughs> Chalk right. flew up. <laughs> so you know that, right? Yeah. Do you know that? Were you, oh, born, yeah, were you yeah. born for that? It's before my time, but it's a famous uh, little incident. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, th I think the greatest tennis player of all time. Yeah, John Macron's fantastic and definitely the best tennis commentator of all time. Well, that's easy. I think, but I, I'd say, I, honestly, I believe. So, you know, what? I, you know, I told you, sorry, going off mine a little bit. I, I mentioned there's a documentary. Um, I think it's just called McEnroe. Oh, really? Oh, that, you did you did tell me about that. Yeah, really fantastic really to good, see. Yeah. Well, because the more you see that, the more appreciation you get. That well, you know, while people like your buddy Nadal, who's like, <laughs> you know, but you know, associated with doctors that there's no Maestan inhibition <laughs> that, that, might, right. that, have, that have been known to dope other athletes. Although there's nothing about you know Nadal is um, a saint, <laughs> and you know, but yeah, this is the age of performing enhancement. Oh, yeah. And if you listen to see what McEnroe was doing, man, it was like, it was performance de-enhancement, man. I mean, <laughs> they look like marathon runners. Oh, but they were out there. They were, they were yeah. drinking, partying, they doing drugs and then throwing playing up tennis. on the court. I remember yeah. Pete Sampras throwing up on the court and he still won his match. Um, McEnroe would be because he's on, I don't know. I, I really appreciate it. I, mean, I don't know if you've ever used one of those wooden rackets. Oh yeah. My parents had uh, very uncomfortable to hold. Let me tell you. Yeah. And no, I thought the ball hard at you. Ow. Every time you hit the ball back at <laughs> No, that's what I learned on. I had I had my dad's wooden racket from oh, the fifties. Yeah. Yep. had those old, yep. you had those grids. Yeah. Wait a time. I remember the very first time I, you know, so I went to Emory for grad school, and my parents were like, "Oh, you're going to Emory, and it's going to be important. You know, that's it's a medical school. You should learn how to play tennis because I guess that's what it might be a social <laughs> social thing. We if don't you had, know. If you've gone to med school, you should have learned golf. <laughs> well, but it's like a social thing because you know, I mean, we did we didn't know because it's not the crowd we run in. You yeah, know, it's me fishing and gardening. Yeah. I, I don't know. They're like, oh, you need to learn tennis. So I show up at my tennis lesson. They got me with this wooden racket. Yeah. <laughs> These guys looked at me like I was from Mars. But like, all right, lesson number You're one. You're our third string team. <laughs> Get rid of that. Real cat gut too. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Still was had the name of the cat. Like, um, but anyway, so what kind of podcast is this? I sorry. can't remember. I can. Well, because when I got some of the responses, I actually could not believe it type of thing. I'm just like, Siri, like, are we looking at the same thing? Are we listening to the same thing? Maybe, you know, we answer questions and we do things. And actually there's a media thing that I think it was a miss, uh, either a misunderstanding or, or potentially, well, did you notice the quote on the, you know, the movie quote for I the did. podcast? Yeah, what was the was, movie quote? It's very curious. Can't remember offhand. <laughs> that was good 10 minutes ago. Okay. The, movie, the movie quote was, was it's oh, human nature old. to lie. Most of the time we can't even be honest with ourselves. That's right. And what's that from? Do you really not know? No. Most never. people wouldn't know from that quote probably. Was it a book? I have no idea, but it was a movie, Rashomon. I never saw that. Do you know, have you heard of it though? Uh, no. You've never even heard of it? Uh-uh. 
It's like 1950, Akira Kurosawa. Uh, you're more cultured than I am. It is the great, it, it, it kills, it beats Citizen Kane as the best movie of all time. It is, it's considered Rosewood. a perfect movie. Wow. Okay, I'll have to watch of course, I'll put it, it on my list. It, it wouldn't be eligible for an Oscar these days because it's I not diverse. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rashomon, well, because it's an actual, it's a common theme. So what Rashomon is about is about you know, finding someone that's been murdered in the woods. And you get the story from three different perspectives. And the people tell the story. So it's called, you know, it's something called the Rashomon effect. But but its general idea is that people can see the same thing oh, yeah. and come up with very different results. And part of it is also because you have different motiva- motivations and, motiv- and feelings. True. Nothing's but, less accurate than an eyewitness account. Well, and that's the point. And that is exactly what this is used for is to show that actually eyewitness accounts are often very unreliable. Yeah. Right. And because oftentimes you... You know, you're always better than you. You know, you always portray like us. You know, we we would never do that. We never portray ourselves in a better light than we actually are. It'd be impossible. <laughs> We're our own doormats. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the idea, and I, I got thinking maybe that was the problem. Maybe so. Let's go back over some of the stuff because there were some. Mm-hmm. And I think we got to remember that maybe some people just don't remember because one of the things that kind of bothered me from is if you go back to previous podcasts, is um, you know, I I thought I've always felt that we have been great advocates for including um, children or adolescents in clinical trials, people under 18. Um, now, that's a wide range of things when you're under 18, over, you know, I mean, 18 to 65 in some ways is kind of like Yeah, the, I think we gave the, the rationale for that in the last Well, it didn't come across, years. didn't come across. Actually, it came across as we are advocating against kids in clinical trials or some kids or not all the kids or whatever. I don't, I don't you know, anyway, I just want to go back about just say, okay, let's maybe revisit a little bit because the specific question was that, that's kind of causing the hang up or why. I mean, I think there's several people out there that kind of got the impression that we're don't want to include their kids in clinical trials. So I think maybe we'll start back. It came around the question of for our company, Renogenics, which of course we do not speak for our company. Um, we're speaking as uh, Peter and Carice of the, the Jones lab. Yep. Absolutely. As our opinions on things. Right. That's it. And That's they're it. just our opinions. <laughs> Based on, as scientists, yeah. and our view and interpretation of scientific data, yep. and how we may do things if we were given, if we were in charge. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that feeling is that we're in charge but of clinical, but, but the question was, would we have, would we um, have kids in a gene therapy clinical trial for- If it were up to for us. CRISPR, for CRISPR inhibition, okay. And you know, it gets a little complicated. So first off, I wanna step back and just remind people what exactly is a clinical trial? What are they testing and why we have them? A guaranteed 100% cure. I think that's what people <laughs> said. They're like, sign me up so that I'm first in line yeah, to be cured. Everyone wants to be in clinical trials, but why? What exactly What do you hope are, to get out of a clinical t- trial? What is the point of a clinical trial? Well, they're, they're paid for by companies and designed by companies mm-hmm. who have a drug that they want to test and eventually sell. That's right. So it's regulated by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. Right, for safety. Okay, so the FDA's main point is safety. Right. And the company, of course, it doesn't want to hurt anybody. You know, unsafe drugs not going to make money. But, yeah. So safety's cool um, and necessary <laughs> even. But um, efficacy. Does the drug work? Number one, does the drug work? And what is the best cohort or the best group of people to test it in to see if it works? Probably what's the shortest amount of time we can yeah, use? Yeah, see a productive uh, effect. Time is money. 
to see if it works. And, um, you know, that's pretty much what they, what interesting, you know, efficacy, you know, safety and efficacy. So phase one is normally straight safety in healthy volunteers. Right. And actually it was kind of interesting when I was in China, they had me tour, they had a whole uh, building for, for phase one clinical trials. This was for anti um, um, microbials. Maybe that's maybe that's a little hidden. What's coming next? Um, but it's just you're allowed to say this. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it would be sacrilege to think that anything was created in a lab and leaked out. My God, that would be a political agenda. We couldn't possibly even investigate that. Um, what are However, you, a right wing nut job. So, in case you know, the food markets and the bats created more microbials. <laughs> That were transmitted to humans because it's not a laughing matter. Yeah. Actually, the the political response um, from the jugheads that run the the NIH uh, was the, what's what's painfully comical. But anyway, um, the the point was that you know they had they had a phase one. I mean, there are all these beds filled with people, and they're having a good old time playing video games. They're just hanging out in their pajamas and slippers, and and you know, and they get you know, injected daily or whatever with a drug and you see how, you know, what's it affect? That's a phase one. Right. Right. Phase two is similar safety, but now you're taking people that are, have, have a particular disease, right? And it is still safety, but you can actually get some indication of efficacy. It's normally underpowered, small numbers of people, but you get a feeling for does, you know, you can test some things like in the myostatin inhibition ones, right? They tested some, some functional um, outcomes, you know, you, you know, avidities testing, all, all these companies that are going for it. They take, you know, you get some function, you can get some data, it's underpowered, mm-hmm. but you get some idea if your drug is working, right. right? So oftentimes these are also placebo controlled. And um, which means if you sign up for a clinical trial, you might be getting the placebo. And if they're double blind, double blind it means nobody knows <laughs> the doctor doesn't know right. the patient nobody right i mean really re- reduces the chance for bias that you interpretation tell your doctor can promise you you're giving you we the good stuff hope but... they keep the code straight <laughs> so double blind so okay so there's that um so underpowered it's still phase one two is going to be safety a little bit of efficacy and um you know then it's going to go to a larger then if that if, if that is successful you know, oftentimes those are dose escalation studies too. Sometimes the question on top of that is what's, because it's safety to say, what's the safe dose, right? And you see that actually, again, avidity trial is another great one to say, example, multiple doses when they did their myotonic and then they pick a single dose to go forward with on the open label extension, right? So you're gonna be different. So you might get a dose that is of a, what turns out to be a functional drug, but maybe it's too low. Yeah, a sub-efficacious dose. Maybe it's too high. Or it could be too high and you have an adverse event. There's some risk involved in being involved in a clinical trial. Right, because you don't know what you're getting. You you're going to get a dose. Get. You can yeah. get placebo. Now, if you're, okay, so, okay. And then in phase three is a much larger trial, properly powered to really figure out. And most things actually fail in phase, in phase three. three. Yeah, phase three. That's right. That's actually where most of the failures actually are. Yep. Um which is incidentally why drugs are so expensive. <laughs> think of all the R&D and, that went into it. And, and also because I think people may look at results from phase one, two through business tinted rose colored glasses. Because if you've invested a lot of money, and it's kind of a weird thing because it's now it's even bigger. You know, are you still on good money after bad? Um, 
you know, in which case you're, you say, we're already so invested, but we're going to invest more. Mm-hmm. But, but also could, but, but if your stock goes up, <laughs> I mean, it depends on what, depends. you know, what, what is the motivation? That's of, right. You know, when are people getting out? You can make money um, on a trial that fails as far as a patient is concerned. Some people make money. Yeah, yeah. Some people do. So in fact, it's been that way. So there's different motivations all along the way and different ways to view things. And this kind of gets back to, you know, but anyway, so I'm thinking about the, the, so these are all the things that are in our head, right? And so, and then you think about a, a gene therapy clinical trial. Is it going to be placebo? <laughs> $2 million, no. no <laughs> Marshmallow. There will be no <laughs> placebo. So that's one thing about a gene therapy trial. What happens if you get a dose that is suboptimal that actually, you, let's say you volunteer for a gene therapy clinical trial and you get the low dose that they know is going to be safe, but they don't know if it's going to work. And it's too low to work. You sign up for another trial? No, you're you're basically that's that's putting all your eggs in one basket there. Well, but you don't know when you're signing up, yeah. but that's your one shot. That's right? your one shot. That's right. Right. So you get one shot. You know. So you can't do another gene therapy trial. What if it's too high a dose? Well, it could actually we've be, seen that. <laughs> we've seen that. That's that actually can be catastrophic, yeah. right? Some people died in the um, myotubular myopathy trial. Yep. Right. Do they had some liver damage? You know. And again, these are things that have gone through safety, tremendous safety profiles non-human primates, right? Nobody's just, well, we, we don't know about the NN1 trial, but for the most part, yeah. none, of, none of these legit companies right. are giving you anything that has any indication whatsoever it's unsafe. Yeah. Yet you still occasionally have, have adverse events. Event. Yeah, that's right? right. So none of these things are guaranteed. That's right. And the reason I mentioned this because you're thinking about this, you know, there's should kids be eligible for trials? And do you want your kid in the clinical trial? Or, is your, or are you thinking... I'm signing my kid up to be cured faster than the next kid. Not really sure what I'm, I'm get. I have a guess on what people. Oh yeah, everyone's very eager. And so when people hear our podcast, which we can get to that, I don't know whether I actually was pondering the past week on whether to continue the podcast. I got to tell you. Yeah. Um, are we doing anybody any good? Well, that's another story. But back to the Rashomon thing. You know, I, I was actually floored when people actually contacted me and said can't believe you're blah, blah, blah. And there's a whole series of things. So it's not just one thing. It's not just one person. I mean, number of people, number of things just heard disturbing things. from our And I was like, holy crap, I thought that was Sometimes pretty good. people just hear fragments of sentences. <laughs> well, I do have tro- people. A lot of people don't understand me, actually. When I speak. <laughs> it's because, yeah, you speak educated redneck and not everybody speaks that. And very fast. <laughs> very fast. I know, I know. Okay. So, so we kind of said the same way, clinical trial, kind of. And, you know, I, I got to tell us, so separate. So, the reason I was contemplating whether or not to continue the podcast is, yeah, just another kind of trite say staying. Um, ignorance is bliss, right? Oh, yeah. You know, that one. And I get, you know, maybe you guys are better off being blissfully ignorant. Most I mean, seriously. Are. I mean, do you really want to know behind the scenes? Do you really want to know? I mean, we, we actually joked about this, that we, we should just change the podcast to, hey, everything works. Everything's great. Everything's moving great. I mean, every you know, hundred. You know, I mean, we'll be like a foundation. Yeah, we'll just become a foundation, and we'll make your promises we'll be that we can't for keep. Everything. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll never your, say what we really think scientifically. You know, what? the bigger the check you write, the more chance you are going. You know, yeah, we guarantee a promise. No worries. Throw your money at everything. That's yeah. Just throw some money at it. Everything's great. We'll put positive. We'll be politicians and tell you that there's no immigrant. <laughs> the border is secure. There's no such thing as inflation. There's um, no homeless problem anywhere. There's no homeless problem. <laughs> Major and cities of America are, are clean totally and safe. perfect. <laughs> Why don't you move there? Okay. 
vote for me and we'll keep it up. I mean, you know, I mean, but I mean, isn't that what people want, right? That's yeah. the kind of like people are like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's not raining outside, <laughs> despite what you might. Thunder shout. <laughs> Well, I always yeah. like that. W, did, you, did you ever see WKRP in Cincinnati? No. TV show? I always loved it. They always had Les Nessman was the weatherman. And he had the Les, you know, Les Nessman, you know, eye in the sky weather report. He just look out the window and tell people what he saw. <laughs> but you know what? It's an accurate freaking weather, weather report, you know? You go to the grocery store. That's right. Right? Um, <laughs> well, sophisticated prediction method, methods can't compete with actual but, reality. But, you know, Brad, our angry dad, you know, he'll tell you, say, oh, geez, great. You guys have been telling me that we're going to have a cure in three years for the past, you know, 10 years. Yeah. Well, you keep writing the checks. We'll keep telling you that. Yeah. It works. <laughs> and we will. We'll have a cure for you in three years. Um <laughs> I mean, look at it now, actually. You know, I was thinking about this. I'm like, you know, I was, a, you know, maybe we're the idiots. Probably. We probably are the idiots. I mean, really, you think about it, it's brilliant. You can raise money promising people a cure. Yeah, I never said that. We're promising you a therapy. Yeah, I never, never said that. Now they're promising clinical trial. There's this new thing, this Project Mercury. Clinical trial readiness by 2025. I mean, it's like backwards, man. It's like, yeah. I mean, on one level, you're like, what, are these people crazy? But on the other level, it's like crazy like they're a fox. Brilliant. <laughs> they're brilliant. <laughs> they're rolling and they're raking in the money. Right? Who gives it? We don't got to tell you the truth. Do you guys actually want to hear? Because the truth sometimes. Um, Snake oil is tastier. Yeah, taste oil. Yeah, exactly. Hell, hell yeah. You take this potion. Outlaw Josie Wales, man. <laughs> you take this potion, it'll cure everything. That's right. Take it yourself, pal. That's what the Indian, that old Indian says to him, right? Yeah. Take it yourself and uh, you drink it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Non-believer. Anyway, so, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. I honestly was just thinking we're not doing anybody any good. Because we're not like trying to, you know, cheerlead for anything or knock anything. We just say, here's the science behind it. Yeah. Here's the politics behind it. Yep. People always that you know, Jesus driving me nuts. Why is it taking you guys so long? Well, let me tell you, it's really freaking hard. Science is tough. It's not an easy. It's a complicated disease. Yeah, even when all else is well, science is tough. Everybody ain't being particularly helpful. I mean, they're yeah. just camps. There are people working against you. It's human nature, just like it is in every field. Scientists are not saints. Some of them are better than others. Some are honest. Some are hardworking. And all... a lot are not. And you just have to figure out who to work with and who to trust and try to jump the obstacles in your path. That's why it takes so long. But but that's one of the reasons. Actually, I note go to this um fshd research conference anymore there's a couple of reasons there just happened in milan and you're going to hear about how this was just the most amazing thing you ever ever heard of now the people i know that were scientists that went to that have a different opinion but we're not going to knock on it whatever knock yourselves out we we understand we we, we are not we didn't miss anything in our opinion but what, one of the things that's just galling is when they have these people who are actively getting in the way actively causing problems just just selfish whatever asshole we're not supposed to use names anymore you know just that oh let's all work together kumbaya we're gonna just oh we're just you know you just see these things on facebook hey we're all just working together at this global force of just you know it's just like you know trust me man if real life is not a co-commercial you do not want to go into battles with, with these, these guys <laughs> jesus christ you get shot in the back that's right storming the beaches now they're all the gunfire comes from behind oh, that's you that's right um <laughs> And then they use these home and human shields so they can steal everything. And then Operation Human Shield. <laughs> Operation, exactly. Yeah. With the nicest of. That's why you have a words. different dictator. You're still not free. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just a crazy time. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? You don't want to know that. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Are we doing any good? I don't, I don't know. know. I actually, I actually was telling Takio, I said, you know what? This might be the last podcast. I don't know. I honestly don't know if we're doing anybody any good telling you the, telling you, our, you know, 
So are we going to be honest on this one or are we going to? Well, no, we considered just saying that, yeah, you know, after this, we'll just uh, set ourselves on fire and jump out the window. We can bring, go, go all Dr. Demento and bring in a whole bunch of fun stuff and just have a, yeah. a laugh. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Well, I'm still up in the air. Still not, still not sure. Okay. So we covered why you are in, what is a clinical trial? Okay. So what, so what are you thinking when you go to a clinical trial? One of the reasons we do this is because, I mean, this actually is a, little bit of a time sink, you know, and, um, but it's fun. I like, you know, actually, but also because we think we're helping. So actually, if we're not helping, what's 60, the point? 60, 40. Yeah, well, it's fun doing something else, <laughs> If right? we're helping 60% of people and irritating 40%, still worth it. Uh, you know, know, once that balance shifts, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, don't know got, you your, do. I don't know where you get your numbers, man. I gotta tell you, all we're doing is making more and more enemies. And there's one thing they got right, is that, except they keep calling me for advice. Um, <laughs> that's because we give free advice. We do, yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, whatever. But the good news is, so it also reminds me of um, my boss, Alan. I could use his name because he got hit by a bus and that's right. died, so we can't sue him. <laughs> but one of the things, you know, I, I've mentioned this before. As my postdoc advisor at National Institutes of Health, he said, say whatever you have to say to get the money. Yep. And then we get the money, do whatever you want, and then just claim success. Yep. No one will challenge it's you. It's brilliant advice. It really is. It it's is. Just, you know, and no matter what happens, you take credit for it. Everything worked. It was great success. Yep. Give me more money. He was very successful. Yeah, because people don't check. No one looks. Yep. Yep. I was thinking, you know, again, we, we will be careful now. We have to be more careful since, um, well, about specific names and specific things. But we see some grants. And you review some things. Yep. And you might see a grant from a, uh, you know, some sort of consortium that says, here's what we did the past five years. And this pages of all these amazing things that actually did happen in the FSHD space. But they didn't do them. They didn't actually do any of it. <laughs> people get away with this. But who really knows but that? No How many people know Unless that? you're the one who did the work. You're just rolling the dice saying, if I just claim, but foundations do the same thing. Yeah. We see this all the time. Hey, we... We're funding CRISPR inhibition for FSHD, except nobody actually uh, did that. Uh, uh, um, hey, we're funding the mouse model. Well, actually, they didn't fund the mouse. You know, what they'll do is they'll list all these things that have happened, support us. And it's kind of this implication, right? Everyone so is that honest or dishonest? On the bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I always took the attitude of, boy, wouldn't it be great if people just told the truth? And I guess that's why, I guess the answer is no. Wow, the world would be on its ear. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> No one would get reelected. No. I mean, nobody. That isn't <laughs> no a partisan thing. Elected. I mean, nobody would get elected. <laughs> just, you know, I mean, and uh, and grants can get renewed. Yeah, and just, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, what do you actually do for the past year? If someone's actually accountability, I guess it gets to accountability. Because you're rolling the dice. You're saying, we did all of this stuff. And if someone Googled it, hey, all this stuff happened. I mean, there's references of some sort. But do you look up the references and see? I mean, I remember just being gobsmacked by the claims and that sometimes you see on what people say that they've done. Oh, we got some clown running around out there claiming that he discovered CRISPR inhibition. We had UMass men said, I mean, I mean, Jesus Christ, not a real fool. And it's just, and it's, um, but you know, it's, if nobody checks. Yeah. And the reason I know that is because somebody checked with me. Didn't hey. some faculty candidate put 200 uh, references on their Oh, Christ. Yeah. Oh my God. CV. We had a, we had an applicant. <laughs> I guess I, these are all confidential. I got to be careful. I know names. But somebody, I mean, they claimed they had like a billion dollars in funding <laughs> that they were in charge of. And and they had, they had hundreds and hundreds of papers. The only reason it and, uh, 
rang an alarm bell is because it was so ridiculous. Well, no, actually, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, actually, that that's not true. Oh, no? Because you, you checked? <laughs> well, no, I saw it. I just was like, just, okay, you just know it's just, you know, just yeah. bogus, right? You just yeah. know this is bogus. Whatever. But, but the administrators that run the committees that aren't scientists, but take care of the important things with the university, you know, make sure that we run the search correctly. These are like the number one candidates for all these completely bogus CVs, you know, and you just like this person like claiming that it's like, that's bigger than the budget of NIH, <laughs> $35 billion. So it's just like, seriously, you know, but, the, but they not, they didn't know how to check. Yeah. What's an H factor. You know, they didn't know how to check. And I guess I gotta be careful. What's, what are you allowed to say? But you, know, you, you might make the case. <laughs> how do I say this? I get into trouble that, that a 16 year old kid on the web could debunk these if they got a hold of daddy's <laughs> daddy's workload <laughs> said these are all bogus these are these these journals don't exist you know this type yeah, of thing. Yeah. i mean but people no, but but the concept was i mean it was actually and it was you could see the the lights go on in the heads of these administrators it never occurred to them someone would submit a bogus cv that you even had to check it out. Idealist. I mean, we're just sitting here as the scientists. We're like, well, this is bullshit. I mean, yeah. you know, no, I mean, you know, so throw all those away. I don't yeah, even care. And I'm going to challenge them. Exactly. Like, Whatever, man. I right. mean, it's almost like AI generated. Yeah. Yeah. You know, AI generated CV to get a, get become associate dean. Yeah. And um, it's just. <laughs> Might have been a robot applying. <laughs> but, they, but, but honestly brought forward as like top candidates at, at an actual real. University. Again, non-scientists running these search committees because nowadays the most important thing is not these. Well, the qualifications have changed. Yeah. We'll go with that for for these positions, um, and maybe <laughs> leave it at that. Anyway, um, we digress. So, uh, but clinical uh, trials. Clinical trials are well, no, no, not clinical. Just you know, just just saying. No, no, clinical trials. I mean, but that's where the rubber hits the road, right? That's real money. That's real people, real safety, real efficacy. I mean, you don't you don't have fraudulent. Well, I, I maybe I, I don't know. I haven't checked, but at least as far as I'm aware, I haven't seen any fraudulent clinical. I mean, it's just. I mean, it, it is a pretty tight ship to get through. You know, to go into these things, submitting your data, and I, mean, I suppose you could submit fraudulent packages and stuff. But again, it gets to the idea of I, honestly, I think the frauds in the field set up shop in mexico yeah they usually don't <laughs> try to get past the fda you know when you when you go to a uh entity that has a cure for something and they don't want to go to the fda and they don't want to do it in the u.s they'd rather fly you to mexico yeah that might raise a few uh red flags flags yeah, yeah. i'm gonna say herrings but that was <laughs> i don't know what you're i guess choice of flag is different <laughs> Mix my mix my metaphors. Yeah, you're like, mixing your metaphors. Well, me and Opus, you know. Did you ever? Do you know Opus? No. Seriously? Oh my God! Really? Bloom County Opus? Oh, that Opus. Yeah. That's what, what other Opus about? are there? I don't know. Opus eighty six by uh <laughs> by Kulau. Oh, an actual. Trio. I just an, played with my mom, for example. An actual Opus. <laughs> an actual Opus. Okay. Well, Opus is a penguin who always used to mix his metaphors. Yeah, yeah. In the eight, he one, did. One of the greatest charming. comic strip of all time yeah, until yeah. Calvin and Hobbes came along. Until Calvin and Hobbes, I agree. All right, so we're going to, sorry, we really are all over the place, but you know what's a holiday? That's true. Okay, so clinical trials, Um, so they're all serious, yep. and, you know, we discussed the clinical trials, but there is solid scientific evidence behind all of these. These are not just fly-by-night things, and 
um, we're just trying to tell you what is the science, what is the history of previous, what is the mechanism, what's the mode of action, what are they trying to accomplish, what might they accomplish, mm -hmm. but we're not cheerleading for any of them, and we're not against any of them. Yep. In fact, we're thrilled. The more clinical trials there, the better, more, what they say, shots on goal for FSHD? Yep. So just so it's clear, um, we're, we're just kind of, just the facts, ma'am. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but granted, we get excited over some and not. Yeah. We'll cover that. So we're going to cover everything going forward.
Well, you know, that was actually, I was recommended by my friend Carolyn in Canada. You know that song, right? <laughs> ice, ice, baby. It's <laughs> <laughs> my generation, man. Sorry, that's what she said when she heard the first track. The first, the first little track laid down. Of course, you know, we know that's not true. You know, <laughs> Queen. But actually, a lot of people, you know, it's a Bowie Queen, you know, collaboration. You know, everyone always talks about it as being a Bowie song, but it's a, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I know, it's Bowie and Queen. It's fantastic. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. Two all-time greats yep, working together. But, but that actually was a pretty good, um, did you see the Vanilla Ice Saturday Night Live? <laughs> yeah. There was a time, yeah, there was a time when Saturday Night Live was funny. Back Dennis yeah, Miller doing the, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He started when uh, he played the Queen song. He's like, he's like, oh, don't you love Bowie? All right, good opening. Anyway, so we're back. Okay, so, um, so you know, this clinical trial's out there. So just briefly, you know, there's the fulcrum trial, right? Mm-hmm. So what's our take on the fulcrum trial? Well, I had a phase one, two. Yep. Endpoint was ducks for inhibition. inhibition. Didn't meet the endpoint. Um, <laughs> really showed nominal, <laughs> no real benefit. Uh, yeah, I mean, all in all, a failed trial. Um, for for uh, the stated the endpoints. For the stated endpoints, yeah. Right. Okay, but I went forward to phase three. So, so why could that be? So there could be several reasons, right? You might say. Uh, since they were looking, the, the primary endpoint of the phase one, two was repression of the DUX4 gene signature in skeletal muscle biopsies, which is exactly what lesmapamod was supposed to do. Right. And the preclinical data says it did. Yeah, exactly. So the results were that it didn't do it or they couldn't detect it. That's the other way to think of it. One could make the case and maybe a different detection method would have found it. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I guess, I mean, that's kind of one of those. You can what, always say that. <laughs> exactly. You can always say that. Well, we just said, okay, well, anyway. We knew the right test. A little bit of benefit on reachable workspace. And so that's kind of what they went yeah. for. So now they're doing reachable workspace and they don't care about the Duck 4 signature, which is what it's supposed to do. All right. Okay. That's just how it is. That's yeah. what it is. Um, there's like 300 and some odd people in this phase three trial all over the world. A lot of you guys are in it. Overworks. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, the data, I've, I've yet to see any compelling data, compelling to me. Yeah, that it's working. And I don't think it's much uh, uh, consolation or encouragement to people if uh, they don't experience any functional benefit, but some metric, you know, as a 0.5% uh, improvement. You can find a metric. So does, does that make you feel better? I, uh. Yeah, the statistics <laughs> show you that it's working. Right, but, but you, do you, you do you know that better. it's working? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe some, although I'll tell you, I was up with friends. I think I met this. I met some guy that thought it changed his life. Of course, it could have changed your personality. I mean, there's a lot of things. And anyway, you do a large, large powered study, double blind, placebo controlled. Then you also have um, open label extension at the end where placebo, people on placebo can get on the drug and you can compare those. So anyway, so so that's going. You know, I hope it's filled. I hope everybody's in it and we hope it works. Yeah. You know, but, I, you know, I don't know. I just haven't been impressed with what I've seen. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So that's all that the, the criteria for that were 18 to 65. Ages 18 to 65. Kids were not allowed in that one. Right. So P38 inhibitor. Should kids be allowed in that? You know, I have my doubts. <laughs> P38 alpha is a really important regulator of myogenesis, um, many aspects of, of muscle development, uh, which is kids still are developing. kids. Kids are developing. And uh, 
you know, uh, <laughs> it was one of the concerns, scientific concerns we had about the target, uh, even in adults, Mahmoud, even in adults in the first place. And, uh, you know, um, you could always make the argument, you can hit a dose that will affect Dux4, um, but not affect these other pathways. And, and you hope for that, but if you're not even affecting Dux4, I mean, you know, so far there haven't been any terrible uh, effects from, from the fulcrum trials, which is great. Short term. Short term. Yeah. But uh, would we want, would I want my kids in, in a trial that, uh, uh, the target was an important regulator of muscle development. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Not, not unless the. Now yeah. that's not saying we don't want kids in trials. Right, right, right. It's but, a case by case basis. But this is on the, the modality of the drug. This is the risk, and this is what you have to weigh when you decide these things. Not that any of us have any we have no <laughs> power input. to to, well, to determine an inclusion criteria or say, or say who who is allowed in these trials. This is just okay. yeah. So if it were me on the big picture kids, thing. Are there trials answer. where you should have kids in them? Absolutely. Yeah. Could you break kids down into prepubescent and postpubescent? Absolutely. Yeah, it all depends on what you're, um, what you're doing. But it depends on what you're doing. And so something that is a regulator of the key developmental processes in somebody, I don't know. Maybe not the best choice. That That's where you might need different safety profiles. Yeah. You might need to do something in an extra before you admit children to that trial. Now, again, this is my, this is us thinking, just, just spitballing it out loud, right? I mean, the, there is, you know, without question, children of all ages are in clinical trials. Normally, that's when they are the ones who are affected. Right. And that's your study group. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, they're for typically only childhood diseases, yeah, right? Yeah, or very severe things. And where children may die. If yeah, they get. exactly. Now, you're going to say, my, my kid, my young kids are affected. I've actually tried to advocate that infantile FSHD should be characterized as its own disease so that it could have its own criteria and that you you know, and foundations were against that. Mm -hmm. They said, let's just screw everybody up. Let's mm -hmm. not do it. Let's just focus on what we got and get some, I don't, I don't know. I still think it should be characterized because there's additional manifestations of disease in kids. Um, it's more severe, moves faster. There might be additional things. Yeah. Other factors. Which is also things that, that might scare off a company. Right. Right. Um, on one hand, you might find out if the drug works faster, quicker. Yeah, but you might also have some very severe, uh, you know, side effects. Or you might you find out want. your drug doesn't work <laughs> doesn't in that particular case when it might have worked in a, in a in different an adult. Way. That's right. Yeah, you know, so so, so I'm these I'm, again, we are not advocating against. I'm just saying that discussing. there are. I'm well, you're not allowed to discuss things anymore these days. Well, what are we if you doing? Don't, if you don't agree with me, you are a Nazi. <laughs> okay, and you must be destroyed. That is the word. That is the word. Everybody. <laughs> People don't even know what a fascist or a Nazi is these days. <laughs> yeah, anyway, there's someone who doesn't agree with you. That <laughs> right. is the definition of a fascist or a Nazi. Anyway, so um, uh, just saying that there's a lot of things to take into account on a case-by-case -case basis. Right. Okay. Now, I don't know. Now, now, maybe those are all, maybe that's already been addressed. There are things that, you know, the FDA likes to know, you know, safety profiles may be different for different ages, you know. There are definitely different concerns depending on your age from some of these things. Yeah. As, okay. As we talked about. Again, we are, you know, our goal would be to get, that's, okay, now you know what? One other thing, our goal. Their goal, if you're out there listening, you care about FSHD because FSHD, because your kid has FSHD, you have FSHD. FSHD is in your family. And if that wasn't the case, you wouldn't give a damn about FSHD. You wouldn't even buy a shamrock at the grocery store for five bucks, uh, you know, to, to fund MDA. Yeah, maybe you would. Maybe you guys are not. You know, but that's your involvement, your investment, 
right? Go to karate class, go to piano class. Yeah. Um, yeah, people you, care you, about what affects them. You didn't we give a damn. Do. You didn't care about FSHD before it was in your family, and you wouldn't care about it if it wasn't a lot, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, you care about getting your kid cured. That's just the bottom line. You care yeah. about or your brother cured, yourself cured, your parents cured, whatever. You you know, yeah. though that's the motivation. It's human okay? nature. Right? That's who you care about. And you can you know, it's it's funny. I was thinking about this. People give Chip Wilson crap all the time. Ah, he just wants to cure himself. Who does? Yeah, it? yeah. You're you're different. Give me a break. Give me a, give me a break. He just has more money. Doesn't he? He just has the capacity to do it. And you know what? And everyone else comes along for the ride. That's right. Right. And you can say all you want about. Oh no, no. We want to cure all the kids, really. So if your kid wasn't in that group, that what, what were you doing before you found out your kid had FSHD? Okay. Now that's not funny, but but think about us. Or the space. Think about any company. They got. They're worrying about everybody in the world with FSHD. That's what we're going. We don't have FSHD in our family. Nope. We got our, our students have FSHD. We we consider the FSHD community our family. We have chosen our life's mission to, to work in this do everything we do can everything for we FSHD. Can, yeah. We're responsible for everybody. Yep. Which means we got to make sure that the research community and the pharma and biotech community get efficacious therapies to people with FSHD. Yeah. Everyone. And then we ultimately got to get a cure and get you back to healthy state, whether that's muscle regeneration, whatever. Yeah. But we're, so we have a different point of view. We're Russian again, right? We're looking at the, we're, we're, our point of view is long game, big picture. Yeah. Most of you out there, I'm guessing your point of view is how fast can I get the cure for me or my kid or my brother or my mom or whatever. Yep. That's really what, Two it's a different totally thing. Different, different motivations. I got to get in this clinical trial because that is going to work. That is going to be the cure. And I get it faster than everybody. I get my kid in there. So they're first in line to get cured. Yeah. And our motivation is we got to make damn sure the clinical trials succeed. Yeah. We safe don't for wait. Everyone, efficacious. No one gets hurt. Best chances of, yeah, of success. We got to say, you know, safety, right. efficacy. Right. And we're not wasting time and money on crap therapies yep. that aren't going to go anywhere. Exactly. We got to get the tools for everybody so they have the best success to, as a clinical trial. Because if you don't do that, it, it hurts everyone and it wastes time and it, it, it the whole field suffers. Everything suffers. And it has. We've seen this happen in the past. This has happened to me. You, you, people that are in a hurry and in a rush, whether it's for or personal have some reasons. Or interest, yeah. I mean, you could even make the case that the end of one trial with a kid died. It's a personal interest, driving things, you know, yeah. and, you know, kid died. Now worked. we know why, but then we'll talk about that a different other podcast. It was not due to the CRISPR, for sure. It yeah. was not due. It, yeah, was, that was, it was yeah. Well, it was good in the <laughs> sense that it was just due to the viral load. Yeah. But um, response. But um, but again, it's it. You know, what any every company running a clinical trial has to do what they think is best for success to test to test. Not you don't want to manipulate to test efficacy of their therapeutic. Does it work? Does it provide benefit? That's what they got to do. They're not ignoring you or your kids or senior citizens because they just don't care. They're doing what they think is best. Right. Okay. Now we can make a case that maybe they're not thinking, you know, because best can also involve time, right? How much time is involved, how much natural history you have, how much understanding you have in certain ages, right? We had very little. And that was the excuse that people abused about, um, kids and say, well, we don't have enough data on kids. So we don't know, you know, progression and things. I would make the counter case and say, you got tons of data on adults. You still can't predict progression. <laughs> totally. 
totally. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's, it's great true. to have you know more kids in the move study, more kids on natural history, but what are you going to do? You're going to wait 10 years. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that, is that the idea is that, Oh, do 10 year natural history on kids. Then you'll know whether or not Find they have out it's still highly variable. And then what? Yeah. So, so to me, I don't think that that's the deal. In fact, we've always advocated that's, you know, that actually like teenagers were, were really good. And we thought, you know, just idea yeah, of yeah. that, you know, you, you know, have a lot of healthy muscle starting to progress and that these would be, and maybe more responsive to therapies. We don't know, but maybe more responsive to therapies and might be a good, um, cohort, you know, it didn't see any reason what, and this is where I think I got in trouble. You know, 18 to me is kind of an arbitrary thing. There's something magical about being 18 you in the vote. US. You can, see, you can vote and be, Drafted. I signed up for the secret, well, not secret service, selective service, you know? Um, uh, so it's, you know, what, whatever, it's just, I don't know, 18, 17, 21. I mean, you're all idiots. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, think back, apart. come on, think oh, back. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you think about, de- think back. <laughs> you know, but developmental wise, yeah. really the major event was probably puberty. Yep. And then really, even your brain, all these things are developing really well into your 20s. Yeah. You know, and it's 18, yeah, you're an adult, so you can, I guess, pick for yourself or whatever. It's to me, I'm always trying to say is it seems somewhat average from a scientific standpoint. The physical say, okay, development point of view. Yeah, yeah bringing in, arbitrary. you know, 12, 13, whatever, right. you know, it just seems like that's kind of the same as bringing in someone that's 18. Oh, you turned 18. Suddenly you're. Yeah, you're magically an adult. And again, maybe I'm clinicians can tell me I'm wrong. I, I just think there's so much variability in FSHD. It just doesn't. Yeah. You know? And to me, earlier, the better for therapies for a lot of them, because, again, you want to save the healthy muscle and things. OK, this is where I got in trouble because people are like, oh, well, one of the ways, one of the list of places I got in trouble. Um, we got in trouble. Sorry. That's why you're here. <laughs> Always happy to Lend be part of the trouble. <laughs> but one of the places was, well, because of, um, so what about people before, you know, so what's special about puberty? Well, you know, I, I understand if you're weak and you're having trouble and you're struggling. Yeah. Let's get, you know, in some ways it, you know, sure. I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying I didn't see why you have a magical cutoff at 18 and it's whatever. Yeah. And so, but there are some reasons I might not want get you know, people get concerned. But anyway, we'll we'll talk about that in a sec. Okay, so the, the other clinical trial that's going um is avidity, right? Another one. That one's out there. They're enrolling people. I understand they've already dosed people. This is a synthetic siRNAs that are fused to an antibody and delivered, and it's gonna shut down ducks four, right? Injected, I think, four times a year, every three months, something like that. Hmm. And and you got to get biopsies before and after. And they're going to do some MRI and some functional tests. What do you think about having kids and something like that? Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> now, that's one. Right? That, that's one that makes more sense, yeah. Now, that makes perfect yeah. sense, actually, because... It's a synthetic thing that are really well studied and in vivo. Yeah, really well studied. If there's any adverse effects, you can stop doing it. It's not a gene therapy. You, you know. can take them off the drug. <laughs> take them off the drug. You don't, um, you know, its target is Ducks 4. Right. Not not some key. Yeah, regulator of Ducks 4 whose pathway to Ducks 4 is unknown. You know, right. this is Ducks 4 mRNA. <laughs> yeah, take design, it out with an antisense. Truly is a designer drug. Anti and off targets have been investigated. Yeah. But, you know, again, it's still a clinical trial. Right. There's still some risk involved, but that seems like a much better situation. There's to... still potential dosing issues. What's the right dose? Sure. But you know what? 
You can increase the dose if you find it's a better dose, or you can decrease the dose if you're having trouble. Yeah, you don't have the risks associated with gene therapies, for example, right. the, the dose issues and the, the, the risks there. So, yeah, Should, should it have any effect on puberty? Now, I, what I would say is, I, I mean, I, I, you never know. It's a clinical trial, but I don't see why it would have any effect on any, actually on any system, heart yeah. development, brain development. I don't know. As long as the off-targets have been rigorously investigated, yeah. I think that's, that's probably true. And so you would say, okay, there's something that conceptually... I don't know. I would think you can go in any age. Yeah. In fact, in fact, like SMA trial. In fact, some of these other trials, we're getting, these have, are have used children. They're using kids yeah. because that you know DMD kids, myotonic, yeah. even plenty of antisense trials. Yeah, plenty of antisense trials for kids. Right. Um, young kids, even yeah. very young, as young as you get. Yeah. Why not? Sure. So there you go. Different modality. Yeah. Different Just risks. <laughs> different opportunities. Depends on the modality. Yeah. The, you know. You know, well, the drug is targeting. But you could also make the case, if you think about that back to the fulcrum drug, you know, you take two pills in the morning, two pills in the afternoon, in the evening or whatever. So you can't stop dosing yes, of that yes. if you're having problems. That's, that's right. I guess our concern would be that long-term chronic ambition exactly. of P38 that was, that was the fear, could have right, problems right. that you're not going to notice until it's too late. Of, yeah. yeah no, we don't know that. Yeah. The science literature, well, is well documented on P38 inhibition yes. and, and development. Yeah, but we'll we just won't leave it a long, long time. <laughs> okay, so short term. Short okay. term. But again, we don't know. So, you know, I, I would have more concerns with that than, but, but and this means Myracule or um, Dyne and these things. All the antisense. Yeah, man, All ducks these, targeted these, antisense. these delivered this way, right. IV injections with these special right. linkers. Peptide to conjugates or an antibody conjugates sure. that, that allow you to get into muscle without having to do a gene therapy, yes. So. So, you know, you always hear us talk a little bit more. Now, again, we, we don't work on this. Right? Yeah, we have no reason to pump this up, but this seems very safe to us. Seems safe. <laughs> Works great in cell culture. Yeah. Of course, lesmopamod did too. Yeah, no, there's a ton of data. Well, actually, I shouldn't say data. that, but not in our cell culture. <laughs> that's, a different, <laughs> that's a different story. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, but then there's, um, but I mean, I just think the modality is, you know, FSHD is the ideal disease for, for antisense. antisense. Yes. And the wealth of clinical data or preclinical data supporting that, the safety, the efficacy, it's all there. So to me, so it really comes down should be to, very good to, trials. to dosing and tolerability <laughs> yeah. of the level of dose that you may be right, need. Right, right, right. But, you know, so we're not saying get in this or don't get in this or get in one, but just saying from a scientific standpoint, you know, on the other hand, Alexander Baileyev. Um, God, I can never just say your name. It drives me nuts. Sorry, Alexander. Sorry, Alexander. <laughs> um, uh, showed, you know, it's been more than 10 years since she showed this work. What the hell is what's taking so long? <laughs> well, well, delivery has been a real issue. Delivery has and been. Companies the, have been working on that. And now they've got that better. And one of the reasons delivery is an issue is, you know, people, everyone's first program is Duchenne. Right. Those are leaky muscles, literally leaky muscles. Literally like a, leaky. Like a, like a like a sieve or a calendar, right? Your strainer, you know, yeah. your muscles, just things get in and out of your muscles really easy. And do FSHE, that's not the case. It's Very the different case. muscle. Yep. Yep. So getting it in is a little tougher. That's right. But they seem to have solved this with these antibodies or peptides or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, they like cut up. Pretty stable. But we don't, but again, it's still a trial. You get into the trial, you might be on placebo. It's dose escalation. You're going to be on different doses if you get a dose. Now you do get open label extension. So you're guaranteed to be on the on the real deal mm -hmm. at the end. No guarantee, but you no, know, they had a adverse event in the myotonic trial. So no guarantee. You know, we we as far as I can tell, it's safety safe. Everything indicated safe. But you never. But know. you never know. Only one way to find out. And you know, but it's 
you know, everything's pointing, pointing yeah. good. So, yeah. you know, that's why, you know, yeah. but anyway, that's just, that's just a different thing. Right. Yep. So, so there's a case where I, I actually conceptually don't see hell. The dose is even smaller, cheaper, <laughs> you know, just those kids it's cheaper and safer. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I see no reason why, the, why you wouldn't do that other than it's, it's more paperwork or more. And, and again, they're going to get back and say, they're going to get back and say, well, we don't have natural history. I'm willing to bet that if you got an affected five-year-old and you have something that shuts down ducks for effectively, then you'll be able to tell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know that, but I'm willing to bet you don't need a natural history study to say, to where were we going to expect them to be? Because, yeah. because at least with the kids, there's a more of a nat. I mean, I've seen natural, the, the, the trend the down is steeper that's and right. faster. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yep. Then it is. That's the issue. You're 30 years old. I mean, I've talked to Ryan and Ben about this at times, right? You go five years and you don't notice a change. Now, maybe by MRI, you would have noticed. Yeah. Maybe that'll change, you know. But anyway, it's, uh, you know, but. But if you plateau or get better over the course of the next 10 years, that's that's a very good sign. I'm pretty sure. And again, I hope I don't upset anybody, but I'm pretty sure if uh, a kid is noticeably affected, you know, before age 10, that it's not going to plateau and they'll be in the same place they were when they were 20. When they're 20, you know, yeah. you need intervention. Yeah, yeah. And so you'll be able to tell. Oh, yeah. But that's yeah. not the case if you're 40. Right. And that's not the case if you're 30. Right. I mean, maybe it's going down. But actually, I talk to people all the time to say, hey, I plateaued for 10 years and I crashed. Well, it's, when did you get a, the drug? <laughs> that's that's you know. right. The, the variable progression of the disease is going to be a problem for, for knowing So the natural history has said, so it's not like Duchenne, where you can basically say at this age with this mutation, you're going to be here. In fact, in fact, the Duchenne muscular dystrophy natural history is so predictable. predictable, they were able to not have a placebo. That's how predictable for a trial because they said we know where they would be without even doing the experiment. We can, yeah, we, that's, that's exactly right. Sometimes you don't need a control. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's FSH is not going to be that way. Yeah. But we actually were arguing for some time that you actually need personalized biometrics for each individual. And that's actually not where the MRI is going. But that was when Ryan mm -hmm. was doing the gait analysis mm -hmm. and stuff that for every single person, you're going to say, this is what my gait looks like for me right. at this time. At this time yeah. Then you start taking the drug and does your gait yeah. change? And, and then you might only notice that for the individual, not yeah. over a population. Yeah, exactly. Because so, so much functional metrics or MRI, that's, okay. that's the way to go. All right, so then that was a. Um, we'll get the. We're gonna get to myostatin inhibition in a second. The, the other one that came out that we forgot that we didn't get to round to was the epic bioscience. Now that, that's just kind of a question from somebody who said, "Hey, what do you think about all this? You know, epic." They were just in the news today again. Actually, mm. they presented that they presented <laughs> nothing new. <laughs> uh, they presented that they had a press release that they presented at the meeting in Milan. We should do that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want anyone to know what we're doing. Oh, that's right. We're not doing. We're a bunch of dumb actors. We got nothing. 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 <laughs> um, so <laughs> anyway, so um, you know, so presumably, if you look at their timetable, yeah, they well, they, uh, they 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 would predict. It sounds like now, not to speak for them, it sounds like they're thinking they're going to be in clinical trial a year from now. Right, IND investigational new drug filing. They're saying at the end of this year. Yep, that's their prediction. It's like sixty or ninety days to investigate that, and then you start start a trial. Assuming, right. assuming you get approved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so someone asked, "What do we What do we think about this?" <laughs> um, we're we're very we hope that we wish them all the success. All the we're cheerleaders. We this is where we well because we, you know Carice invented CRISPR inhibition <laughs> for FSHD, and if you hear otherwise, that some other clown did. <laughs> He's just a battering old fool who's just angry that he's been hasn't accomplished anything in a an incredibly long career of failure. Um, 
okay? When people start taking, I mean, can you imagine how pathetic it would be to be of working like 45, 50 years in a field and have, and your claim to fame is just about trying, trying to take credit for things other people have done. Oh, that would be and very depressing. Might, I think it's a sign to retire or run for president. <laughs> also <work. laughs> Anyway, sorry. I just say you guys probably won't hear it. Well, maybe you do people. I'd be, I'd be curious what, um, it's just funny when people, it's a small world, trust me, everything gets back to us. Yeah. And everything we say gets to them too, which is one, <laughs> one thing you got to understand. I know who I'm talking to. I know who listens. I know who's... We're not long for this world. <laughs> we die under mysterious circumstances. Sued into retirement. Yeah. It's going to be for telling the truth. Not so mysterious. Sued for telling the truth. That's all right. Uh, because you can basically try to. You know, Trailer down by the river. Nah, I don't care. My personality is we'd fight till the death if uh, someone tried to come after us. <laughs> Count on it. <laughs> Don't you count on it? <laughs> you can you can count on it. Anyway, so um, so the idea is that uh, no, so we're very hopeful. You know, it's CRISPR inhibition. This is a different type of CRISPR inhibition than we do in our lab and other company. And so we're a little, a little bit sensitive because we don't really want you know it's we're very close to it. No one to say publicly available data. They're showing that they showed that it works um, as we would expect, and um, actually in in muscle cells. Again, we only know what's we don't know the details. Devil's always in the details. Um, they showed some xenograft mouse data. What that is, by definition, is growing cells from one organism in another organism is a xenograft. So they grew some human muscle cells from FSHD patients in a mouse and and showed that they're able to keep them alive better. Yeah. Very interesting Something use like of that. a... Xenograft model? <laughs> we'll call it, a, I guess it technically is a xenograft model. Technically. Um, interesting data. Um, and they showed that, it, you know, so again, that was, I guess, positive. And uh, they're moving forward and they're very happy with it. So great. Hopefully they're going to get to clinic. Wish them all the best. Yep. But we got to be careful on what we really... Now, the question would be, would you... Are they, I have no idea if they're going to allow kids to be in that clinical trial under 18. I have no idea. It's a gene therapy. But just think conceptually, because it came back to us. Would we have, you know... Gene therapy, you get one, one shot, shot with a huge load of virus yep. delivered over an hour intravenously. What possibly could go wrong? Any gene therapy, not epic, just anybody. Well, right? You can have an immune reaction to the, to the virus, <laughs> to the, virus, to the uh, CRISPR protein, possibly to Cas9. Um, uh, you can have an off-target effect, um, but really the viral, I think the viral dose is a huge thing. That is the one commonality across uh, gene therapy so, adverse so events. So these are delivered through adeno-associated virus, right. which is a virus, it's non-replicative. So you just, the amount that gets put into you is the only amount that you have. Now you will be pre-screened for pre-existing antibodies. It's a natural virus. Right. So now that is, there are a couple of Engineered variants. Engineered variants that you may not have pre-existing. May not. <laughs> so on a certain level, kids, the younger you are, the less chance you have of having a pre-exposure pre right. to any of this stuff. Right. Because CAS comes from bacteria. Mm -hmm. You might have natural CAS antibodies. Again, kids would have a better chance of not having. So, so now I'm just saying kids might be a better choice. In, in, in that way. Yeah from, yeah. from certain things. Right. But you also can have non-specific reactions like complement. Yep. Which actually is what I think got um, yeah innate immune uh, innate immune responses just to but load of a foreign thing. right and, and there's ways of reducing these things ways which, of reducing that know, too clinical trials but that's a risk but it is a risk right yeah. we really nobody's ever had CRISPR inhibition or CRISPR of any type systemically that's right 
this could be the very first, whether it's first, Epic or it's us or whoever. <laughs> so you say, you want to be the first person cured? Great. You want to be the first person ever to, to have. tested. Yeah. You know. In this way. I mean, think about Willy Wonka and the kid that wants to go on TV and go on Wonka Vision. Right? What could possibly go <laughs> what wrong? Could possibly Maybe go wrong? Maybe the first guy that's trans to be on TV. <laughs> you know? That's right. Yeah, okay. Well, you know. And Presumably they said it's not ready yet. The gum isn't ready yet. <laughs> what happens when you don't listen? <laughs> we can, you know, a bunch of a bunch of um, computer-generated figures will come out <laughs> and sing a song about you. Um, about you should have listened. That's right. Well, you're, um, to the scientists. Your giant bloated um, blueberry when, and roll down the down the aisle. And again, we're not we're not. We're just saying there are risks involved, right? And so. Now, maybe you just want, you know, there's just, but with anything, it's a clinical trial. So the risks are, in some ways, you might say the risks are lower in children for pre-existing antibodies to AAV and pre-existing things. And gene therapy for Duchenne and SMA and, you know, it's going on in kids. Right. In fact, I think the Sarepta trial is like either four-year-old or five-year-old boys, right? right? But that's who's affected. Mm -hmm. And the other reason is to get in the kids because the earlier the better. Right. Saving muscles better than, than losing muscle than going into and trying to reverse it. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people are going to find when it comes to clinical trials is they're going to be rejected for clinical trials when you're older yeah, because your disease, your disease is too advanced. advanced and the muscles that want to be assayed. That's right. So there's actually a lot of reasons for it. They're going to say, well, what? so then, then we said, well, we, we kind of thought maybe 12 or 30. We, so, that, you know, so would we take them or we wouldn't take them? So we'll, we'll address that in a sec. Took a little break for a second because we wanted to get our, our ducks in a row. Make sure it's a, well, no, because it's a serious question. Because this is the question is, you know, what would we do? Now, first off, again, we, as we're not speaking as renogenics, we can't. Actually, we cannot tell you. So my one of my fears is, you know, we, we always want to tell you the truth. I'm not afraid of telling you the truth, you know. I'm afraid of not telling you the truth because I think, you know, the reason we were, have really been upset about um, the FSH society promising you a cure, as Mark Stone said multiple times, many times to raise money, a cure by 2025 is what's going to happen when 2025 comes and you don't have a cure. I don't think they give a crap. They're like, who cares? <laughs> you know, so, I mean, they got their money, they got whatever they're going. Now it's a therapy. We already got therapy. So now it's going to be clinical trials by 2020, whatever. You know, there's no accountability. And I worry that to actually go on the record saying anything, because I actually don't know when, you know, to get to a clinical trial, I got no idea who's going to be in the Epic, who, who, what the inclusion criteria are going to be for Epic. We know, all we know is the inclusion criteria for the current trials, the Roche trial, the um, the um, avidity not. trial and the fulcrum trials. Yep. They're all 18 to 65, one to 10 repeats, um, still mobile, mm -hmm. um, and MRI, stir positive muscles, particular muscles, right? These, these are things. Yeah. We got no idea. I know people are lobbying for inclusion of kids, but remember that the point of the clinical trial is not to cure your kid. It is the test if the drug works. How does it work? Well, how to make it best work so that they can treat everybody. That's the point. Yeah. You are a guinea pig in a clinical trial. You are a guinea pig working for the company, working for the... <laughs> That's right. And the potential benefit is 
if it does, if they do hit a home run, you, yeah, you maybe you are first person traded. That maybe maybe that is. Yeah. The potential downside is well, maybe you get no benefit. Mm-hmm. Maybe something bad happens. Yeah. The other benefit, and I, I'm going to consider this a benefit, because we're, I would say this is how you know our motivation. You are helping everybody. Yeah, by, we learned how to do these things. <laughs> <laughs> but you participate in a trial and you are helping, whether you're a placebo, high dose, low dose, whatever. Yeah. In whatever trial it is, you are helping the field move forward. Yeah. And, the- and without your help, nothing gets done. That's right. And the fulcrum trial, even though it wasn't a success, um, was successful in the sense that we learned a lot about how to run a clinical trial for FSHD small molecule. Even the ACE83 trial from Acceleron. Yeah. So... None of these things are a waste of time or a waste of effort, a waste of money. And we do what we're focusing on is doing our best yeah. to make sure. And that's why we made the large animal model. That was avoiding the field that can make. So when you do a clean, you know, when, if you're going to give your muscle or your kid's muscle or your time or, or whatever, your health, um, you know, let's make sure that everything has been done to make sure this is the best chance of success. Yeah. Right. That's where we've been trying to make mouse models and animal models, cell models and stuff. And, yeah. I, you know, and the companies can only use what's at their disposal. Right. Right. I mean, that's what the myotonic guy said. Well, they wish they had had a large animal model yeah. and they would have gotten the dosing better. Exactly. It wouldn't have been a failed trial if they yeah. got the dosing better. Uh-huh. Well, they didn't have one. Well, you know, we tried to fix that. Yeah. You know, and, um, and again, thanks to FSHG Canada and FSHG Global for, yep. for coming through so strong. That Chris Carino Foundation also coming through strong on that. And more, most recently, Friends of FSH has come through on that. Yeah. Um, Solve, Solve is going to kick in some money on this, it sounds like, too. Solve FSHG. You know, we're, we work, you know, when people see the light, it's great, you know. Anyway, but, you know, there's, you know, making the tools. So the kid, that's, you know, thinking about who's going to be in, in your trial. I worry that people are going to, when people, some, sometimes you kind of worry about your friends. Is the, is the mentality, like, everyone thinks they're going to get, I'm going to sign, and we get people all the time. We're going to, I want to be the first person in your trial. I'm going to sign up for your trial. And what they're thinking is, you know, they have the confidence that our, our approach is going to work, and so do we. We don't know. We can't guarantee anybody being in a trial. Yeah. And even if you are able to make a case to have under 18, zero to 18, you know, um, to be in the trial, that doesn't mean that your kid's going to get in the trial. They have the opportunity to, but they're screening. They're going to be things that the company running the trial is going to look for. They're going to submit this to the FDA to get approval to have these inclusion criteria. There will be certain exclusion criteria. And we can't tell you who's going to be in it and who's not. Now, you know, it'd be great if there's at least the opportunity for someone's, you know. Yeah. But the reason that a kid would be in the trial is because that's going to be the best chance to test the efficacy of the therapy. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I have the same thing going on the other edge, A65. I just talked to someone who we recently um, found likely has FSHD because we don't diagnose anybody. Um, like the 70, of course, she's had it for 30 years and people have been ignoring her. And, but she, she's out of luck. She can't be, but you know, what's magic about 65 at the high end? You're going to be excluded or caught due to underlying conditions that are more likely to happen when you're, when you're older. older. Right. But they might be, you might have them when I got yeah, cancer you, when I was fifty. I right. got cancer before I was fifty. You could have a seventy-five-year-old who's healthy and in better shape than than a sixty-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Why well, was the healthiest guy in the cancer ward? <laughs> <laughs> I said, except. 
which is true. They didn't tell me that, by the way. They, they, this is kind of comforting. Well, you're the healthiest guy we've ever had here. So comforting. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, they come in, they normally have this regimen of pills and all this stuff. And they were like, they, I had no pills. No, they, what medicines are you on? None. You know, it's like, whether you have diabetes, no. Do you have heart well, disease, no. Devil. Do you have anything? I've just got this <laughs> the world's largest tumor in my goal. Anyway, beside the point. The point is that some of these things are arbitrary. You know, to me, yeah. they're arbitrary. Yeah, yeah. At least I, for me, from a scientific standpoint, they're arbitrary. Maybe not from a mechanistic standpoint. I'm working with the FDA. And so the upper and lower limits, to me, are, are arbitrary. And um, so I'm totally, I'm actually for extending it higher, too. I think, you know, it's... Yeah, in the absence of underlying conditions, you would think that that, yeah. that makes perfect sense. And depending on the modality of yeah. the therapy. Right. A gene therapy for someone who's 80, one, it's a cost thing. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I mean, sound like I'm working for the government. <laughs> Too expensive to carry. <laughs> Suck it up, Mel. Hey, that's where we're heading, okay? <laughs> you guys want, so you want socialized medicine? That's where we're heading, folks. Um, <laughs> Except it's going to be now you're 25 and it's too expensive. Suck it up. Unless you got a friend. Um, and, uh, but, but you got to, you know, does the drug work, right? That's the thing. And so there are no guarantees that anyone is, that you or your family is going to be in anything. I think some of the people that are most frustrated have told me, I can't get into any clinical trial. I'm thrilled that you're, it's kind of an inverse thing. The people that are most affected are most willing to get into trials because they're just sick of this and they want to get it fixed. Yeah. And they're the least likely to get into trials yeah, because, because they're so severe. They're just so severe. And what you kind of are looking for is this kind of wheelhouse of people that are affected, but not too affected, right. but are going to be on, you a, can see an on a study. Some, yeah. Yes, but you have to see a decline. And again, that gets to why, you know, my experience that I thought that under 18 actually is a good place mm -hmm. to see that, you know, and, um, you know, arbitrarily, again, maybe it was arbitrary to say that from for our trial, we think people may be um, 12 or 13, just because I'm thinking about the people that I know that are of that age. So oftentimes you hear people talk about being affected in their teens, but affected, you know, mildly affected and then not noticing until more of the class, almost classic FSHD, right? Nowadays, we have the ability to find these people through screening, where oftentimes the people that are infantile are actually pretty severe. I'm sorry, but that just, you know, to, to me, again, it gets almost yeah, like a different, like a different disease. disease. And, you know, so, but then again, you could actually treat those, you know, and again, in hindsight, one of the things I do actually think about what you guys tell me and what you guys write to me. Um, but you could also like, envision two different things and actually, you know, but it gets to an expense thing, but let's say expense didn't matter. Just kind of big picture. Um, a, a, a young cohort, or maybe that might actually be where you find out, holy crap, these kids are suddenly improving, where you'd really see it. So maybe, maybe you know, smaller, less expensive, smaller, meaning the kids are smaller, <laughs> less expensive. You have a whole lot of evidence from Duchenne and SMA on dosing kids and what to expect. Because frankly, dosing a, a 60 pound kid and dosing a 300 pound dude, very different, or <laughs> do that, <laughs> or whatever, it could be very different. Yeah. And other things, right? Um, not just cost, but other other reasons. Right. And so, you know, uh, but for the first, you know, when when the, when the question was posed to us, I'm thinking, who's the, what's the first thing that you would do? Because that's what's going to matter. Because you're putting millions of dollars into this. And if you're going to go from a phase one to, first off, in a gene therapy trial, you're not going to have placebo. And you're not doing healthy controls. In fact, if you're doing, I was thinking about this. I, I would actually volunteer as a healthy control if they would let me. Seriously. Wow. Anything I'm kidding. No, just to see that, that much count. That I, I, I honestly will say that I would not put something into somebody else I wouldn't allow being put into myself. 
that sounds stupid? Yeah, he looked at me like I'm stupid. Well, no, I mean, seriously, I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's a lot of things, you know, but I mean, and just, we actually been thinking about this all week. <laughs> like, you know, of course, they never let you do it. The FDA won't let you do it, it's a healthy person. Um, so, uh, so it's easy to say. So maybe I'm just a chump and saying that and just <laughs> say what I got to say to get your money. You know, <laughs> I'm not that, I'm not that devious. But I'm thinking about it. Um, so, yeah, seriously, he's looking at me like I'm nuts. I'm just no. thinking about it. I'm just thinking, you know, what, I mean, could, what, are you asking someone else to, you know, anyway, whatever, getting on. So, but who's the first person? Because you just, you know, is it, you, you, a gene therapy trial is only, it's going to be less than 10 people. It's only a few people. You make a big dose, you, you have enough to treat 10 people, you, treat, you know, it's, you're not doing 80 people like the fulcrum trial you know, or the avidity trial. You're probably doing six, eight. You can just do a couple first. Mm -hmm. You know, who's that going to, and, and you're going to check to see, you know, expression. Uh, you know, I mean, you're not going to wait a year, maybe. You're going to make sure there's no adverse events starting out before you go. But it's just sort of like, you know, so when I said, thought thinking about who would be kind of that wheelhouse of type of people, again, you're going to probably need to give, you know, some, there'll be MRI and potentially muscle biopsy. Again, we don't know what the inclusion criteria are going to be. I'm just hypothetically spitballing on what you might have. You know, it's, I, I honestly, I don't think I would start with like a six-year-old kid, honestly, that's, you know, having a lot of trouble. That's not where I would start. Now, would I get there later in the trial? If everything looks good? Sure. Gets back to the dosing we were talking about. How would you feel if your kid was the first one in the trial and turns out the dose needs to be bumped up? So guess, but guess what? You don't have another chance. You got no other chance. In fact, whoever gets that point is going to suck. Yeah. But the more information we have, and maybe it might be a better to find out when in some maybe old, you know, it's just, you know, you say it's always going to be a gamble. Maybe, maybe not, because again, you get to sort of other issues, severity, affected muscles and other things and what might or may not affect dosing. Yeah. But, you know, maybe I'm going to convince everybody that no one wants to be the first person. You know, I actually, you know, I actually believe that people will be lining up to do it. And that's because, you know, when you see the data, again, this is any... Well, not any gene therapy trial, but at least, at least a couple of them potentially. Um, you know, they're going to be as safe as we can make them. And our best guess is, I think through the pig model, we're going to have a better chance of getting something that's efficacious. But you don't know till you try it. And in the Duchenne trials, very small difference in dosing was the difference between low dose, it didn't work, and high dose, it caused all sorts of health problems. You need that sweet spot. And I think they found it. But yeah. it took a couple of chances. It took, took a couple of tries. Now, those, of course, were all with kids because that's who you have to treat with Duchenne. Yeah. FSH is different. I'm not sure the you can make a case that the the guineaest of the guinea pigs <laughs> should be a kid. Yeah. You know? You might even say it's somebody that needs to be over 18 even that can make their own decision. Yeah, Leave no, that's that. actually... This isn't gender transition surgery where you can make a decision when you're five, okay? <laughs> this is something else. All bets are off, okay? So this is, this is you That know, is actually one reason maybe the FDA doesn't want healthy people to have gene therapies. You might need a gene therapy for something else someday, and now you've just ruined your one chance. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to think... Anyway, <laughs> you're quite a martyr. <laughs> But I guess I'm conceptually thinking. I made all these doctors, you know, I volunteered for a, a muscle biopsy. And I want anybody to thank goodness my gene, my genetic makeup was useless for bug. But on the other hand, you know, every, um, 
the guys that were taking the muscle biopsy for us at Davis say he had four of them done on himself. He's like, I would never have somebody do. Hmm. He said, I'd never do something on a patient that I wouldn't do on myself. So I'm assuming he's not a cardiologist. I'd still rather have another doctor <laughs> do it on me. <laughs> Some things you don't want to open heart surgery. I'm well, going to do gonna it say, on myself. I was going to say, I assume he's not a cardiologist. <laughs> Just so you know, um, I mean it. <laughs> But, Good God. But, the anyway. concept, but the general concept, <laughs> yes, yes. but it's more of a big picture general concept that you're not, you know, as much as someone's a guinea pig, but I don't, honestly, we do the same thing here. You know, I mean, you know, we, we did some mouse injections over the weekend, you know, and talking cocaine, you know, I mean, the question is, are the mice going to be alive in the morning? And of course they all were, and they were all doing fine. They even put on weight, which is what we expected. Mm-hmm. But there's a chance that all seven of them could have been dead. Yeah. You know, and we're thinking because they're mice and we're thinking that would have so. That would have been a really expensive <laughs> set of mice that would have died because they had right. gene therapy in them. Yeah. Um, but they're all fine. But you don't know you until don't you know. see them in the morning. Right. You know, and so now we just still don't know if the dose is right, but that's what we're checking on things. Don't worry, it's totally different experience. You know, I not, nothing to do with renogenics. It really doesn't, actually. So um, so but but anyway, just so just a kind of whatever many ways to say. Okay, we're gonna get off this. Okay. So myostatin inhibition. The question came up about myostatin inhibition that um, a couple of people contacted me and said, why are you so negative about myostatin inhibition? How can bigger muscles be bad? I mean, it may not, even if it's not better, maybe it could eventually be better. Maybe they could be trained to be better. If, if there's nothing bad that can happen, why are you so down on it? And so first off, we're not down on anything. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it sounds, if we sound negative, it's because all the results that have been reported and all the clinical trials fairly negative have been negative <laughs> and we're not in the spin business. We'll leave yeah. that to the other guy doing Sorry. the podcast. Yeah. Listen to the next <laughs> podcast. Yeah. He's, he'll, he can spin it and tell you why this is wonderful. That's right. Um, <laughs> and ask you for a donation. Um, we're just telling you, and, and you know what? Um, Dan Perez pointed something out to me. I, I kind of, it is in the back of my head, but I had really forgotten the first clinical trial on myostatin inhibition for FSHD was done in 2008. This is not new stuff. This is not new. And you know who did that? Catherine Wagner. Okay. One of the best neurologists out there yeah. for FSHD. It was a combo study of Becker's muscular dystrophy. and F- yep. In fact, we have it right here. Phase one, two trial of myo029 in adult subjects with muscular dystrophy. The report is in the Annals of Neurology, 2008. It was published in May. And um, Catherine Wagner and Jerry is the lead author. Jerry Mandel out of Ohio State is the senior author at the end. And um, well, she may be the senior author. She's got the one. She may be the senior. Anyway, a lot of lot of uh, um, great uh, you know clinicians on here. And the objective is to um, a safety trial using a neutralizing antibody to myostatin, myo two nine zero two nine, in Becker FSHD and limb girdle. Um, double-blind placebo-controlled. All this sounds pretty familiar. Um, the double-blind placebo-control. They're going to um, do to assess adverse events. Um, then they're going to do some uh, uh, evaluations of functionality by and uh, some manual muscle testing, quantitative muscle testing, time functional tests. Okay, what were the results? Good safety and tolerability except at the site of injection. Now this is systemic. Okay, systemic myostatin inhibition using an antibody to knock out, okay. 
Um, they said there were no improvements in exploratory endpoints of muscle strength or function, but the study was not powered to look at efficacy. Same thing for the ACE83 trial that they said. Importantly, though, the trend was towards increased muscle size um, using, I guess they're looking at a different technology at the time, okay, but not increased um, functionality. Larger muscles that didn't work better. The interpretation from the authors was that it supports the hypothesis that systemic administration of myostatin inhibitors provides an adequate safety margin for clinical trials. So these are safety using clinical trials. Okay. Um, further evaluation of more potent inhibitors for stimulating muscle growth should be considered. So the idea is, hey, we still like the idea. We just need a better drug. That's 2008. Here we are, 2023, the same people. Now they're trying their other drug, which presumably is a more potent inhibitor. And not a whole lot has changed in the intermediate other than Acceleron had a failed clinical trial on that had the same results right. of an IM injection. Yep. So then there's an interesting commentary that goes along with this. Um, and it actually is titled, uh, Are Big Muscles Necessarily good muscles. And this is from Amelie Nadeau, who's a medical doctor, and George Carpati, and it was in the same issue. And, you know, so what do they say? Do you remember what they did? They said that uh, in certain indications, like uh, uh, the mouse model of Duchenne, um, actually, it's not necessarily better to have bigger muscles. Uh, bigger muscles can actually necrose at a at a faster rate, so right. it's not necessarily. So, so bigger is not necessarily. Bigger is better. not necessarily better. So there's also the issue of why do you have a small muscle, right? So you may have a small muscle because so you have atrophy. Is right. it or age related sarcopenia? Muscles just atrophy with age. So essentially, the fiber kind of shrinks, right? And that could be because you have high levels of myostatin, which inhibit muscle growth. Right. In which case? Myostatin inhibition might maybe be beneficial. Maybe yeah, because that's the problem, and now you're correcting the problem. So the problem could be high levels of myostatin leading to smaller right. muscles. But that's not always the reason you have smaller muscles. Right. Maybe you're producing a toxic protein that causes your muscle to die. Yeah. Or you and don't have enough uh, have... dystrophin, <laughs> muscle structural protein. and Where yeah. the muscles aren't held the together muscles properly. Muscles aren't held together properly. And can't generate. signal correctly. Yeah. You don't have signaling. That's right. So you have a small muscle that doesn't that is structurally unsound totally that cannot signal reasons. properly to the nucleus, right. and now you have a bigger muscle that is even still less can't. structurally <laughs> and still can't signal still to the can't nucleus. Signal and still so that's Duchenne versus exactly that right. So right. two totally different indications that have nothing to do with a myostatin uh, defect, and so. So what they what they found is that actually, and that now it's interesting because, um, you know, the idea that, you know. It still says, you know, that, uh, you know, the ultimate question is, you know, is there enough encouragement to proceed? And they actually say, yeah, it's still encouraging enough to proceed. Yeah. You got nothing else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is 2008. You know, safety's fine, but it just doesn't seem to be going. Okay. Right. So one thing we know about FSHD, myostatin levels are really low. Mm -hmm. FSHD muscle wasting is not caused by high levels of myostatin. Right. In fact, 
the muscle regenerates kind of like working overtime. You have, in fact, in our mouse model, it's an interesting thing. I don't know if you know this, but one of the things we tried to put into our mouse paper when we characterized it was that um, the levels of myostatin were exceptionally low. I mean, it just, it was like one of the largest changes and was the levels of, by, by mRNA, not protein. Protein's what counts, but over time, you'd imagine if you didn't have mRNA, you're eventually going right. to have signaling protein gone. Um, the reviewers would not allow us to publish this. They demanded even that we take, yeah, I know you're looking oh, at I didn't me. Know that. No, they demanded that we take it out because the only reason to have it in there would be to make the point that myostatin inhibition this doesn't really support going going clearly the reviewer whoever it may have been yeah had a vested interest, um, had a vested interest <laughs> in having this and didn't want that in there but it's actually it's also true in fshd patients myostatin yeah. levels are very low yep, that's been reported in more than one trial yeah so my so so you're trying to de so that the modality is to decrease levels of something that's already very small now again the fact that they still got larger muscle says there is enough there right. to kind of decrease. Right. You can still tweak the signaling pathway, however. But it also suggests <laughs> that the reason for the, the phenotype yeah, is not high levels of myostatin. Exactly. That's right. So you're, you're not telling two different ways. You're not targeting the fundamental. Now, we're not telling you don't be in this trial or do be in this trial. You know, again, the and, and there's a Zoom meeting from the, the Roche that you can see that tells tell all about the reasons to do it. Um, and, you know, if they didn't have positive reasons, they wouldn't be around the trial. You know, we've always looked at this as a combinatorial type of thing yeah. um, for a number of reasons. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're told, I'm not, not against it. I'm just saying this is what's out there. Okay. And this is where people were like getting on my case and, you know, we're not telling you, we're not dismissive of myostatin inhibition. We're just saying this is the history and this is what other people have said mm -hmm. in the other trials. Okay. So what about ACE83? ACE83 is the one that the acceleron myostatin inhibitor injected into muscle, bigger muscles that weren't stronger. Oh, that's right. All right. Well, let's see. Here's another trial here. Randomized phase two study of ACE83 in patients with Charcot-Marie tooth disease, a different type of muscular dystrophy. So it's not DUX4, totally different type of muscular dystrophy, went to clinic. Okay, what are the objectives? Whether locally acting ACE83 is safe and well tolerated, and does it increase muscle volume, motor function, and quality of life in CMT type 1? A lot of different types of CMT. And so what did they get? They got in significantly increased total muscle volume, significantly increased contractile muscle volume, um, but did not demonstrate greater functional improvement compared to placebo. Sounds very familiar yeah, yeah. to the it's FSHD trial. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's just what's out there. That's not, we're not, we're not poo-pooing. This is, this is reading word for word from the report that is published. Okay. This is in neurology, June 7th, 2022. Yep. Um, you know, Florian Thomas is the lead author and Ken Addy is the, the Acceleron guy right the, um, at the back, you know. I mean, this is what's out there. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I mean, and so whatever. I mean, there's <laughs> a trial going and we hope it's successful. We hope that this time you get big muscles that are functional. Yeah. We just can't I imagine hope so, but, you know, I'm just a mechanism well, by which that would, would be. We, we don't know. You know, the data so far is not very uh, encouraging. But, but there may be other benefits to having large muscles, maybe um, larger muscles, I guess. I, you know, I, I don't know. We won't get into it. It's all against hypothetical. All we did is we're telling you this is what's out there. The trial is going in the U.S. and Denmark, and I hope it I hope it fills up, and I hope they get great results. They're going to be doing some testing. Um, 
check out on the website. You can see everything on clinicaltrials.gov. And we're, you know, more power to them. Hope it really, yeah. I hope, hope it goes. And, you know, it doesn't, now they, well tolerated and safe. So, again, you might be thinking, you know, now what about kids? Would you put a young kid in a myostatin inhibition trial? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> and why is that? Again, I, I feel like it's short-term benefit. You know, I could see this having short-term benefit. But ultimately, you you know, FSHD is caused by a epigenetic defect. Um, your muscles, every single muscle cell in your body is poised, epigenetically poised to express Dux4. And uh, over time, you end up with, with uh, this terrible pathology. And uh, so having bigger muscles that still have this defect, they're still going to express Dux4 and still going to have the problem. Yeah, I can see short-term benefit because you've got bigger muscles. But Well, but short-term benefit meaning they, they didn't see it. Nobody's seen any short-term benefit so far. So far. That's the best case scenario I can envision, actually, without correcting the fundamental defect, which is why we've always talked about it. But you can you get know, off of it. I don't com know. Combinatorial therapy. But, but so, so now there's two different things. There is a proposed of a gene therapy myostatin inhibition. Lifetime, okay? So we're going to block myostatin pathway, a different mechanism, not in the monoclonal antibody that's out there. Um, and so gene therapy to permanently through your life. So all the dangers of gene therapy. Yeah. And your one shot. For lifetime myostatin inhibition. For something that has shown no functional benefit. I think it's nuts. Yeah. yeah. Your words. No, okay. that's it. Yeah. yeah. Let them sue you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's not what I'd blow my, my one shot on. I, I find it surprising that that's even proposed. Mm. I'll just say that. Um, that's a good, get a grant, make some ice, graduate a student. Batshit crazy. <laughs> that's polite. <laughs> anyway, but again, that's not actually, that's not commercially going yet. But anyway, that's just, that's out there. But, but this would be like a drug that you could stop. Yeah. But I guess I'm just thinking again, a developing, again, it's a pathway, a natural, normal pathway in your body and just screwing with development yeah early you know again, for early again, you know kids are developing like crazy same with p38 inhibition you know i mean it is the potential now they say safety they say everything's been safe in adults yeah adult adult muscles so that's a case different. of where i think you but you have to do a safety trial there i would have to i would want to see a safety now again this is me speaking yeah, as a, if you as were a, going to do it in kids you would want to see a safety trial in well, kids. but you're going to do it in kids, <laughs> or at least maybe developing primates, yeah, yeah. very young non-human primates that are going undergoing development or something like that. Again, yeah. with that, if it works, it must have it. And, you know, just, it just gets complicated. I guess the point is, it's complicated. There are different, there are different risks with different modalities and different benefits. You know, again, getting to the gene therapy for um, like CRISPR inhibition, honestly, when I think about who is it ideal for once we know that it works and it's great, Kids. Yeah. Absolutely. One that shot. is who. When you still have mostly functional muscle and absolutely. hopefully some improvement. If you say, who are your customers? That's the customers. Is that the first person you, is that the first guinea pig that you're going to inject? Probably Sorry. not. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bad guy. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm going to protect your kid from yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Protect your kid from yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, but, you know, Phase three, maybe sure, maybe even phase three. You know, yeah. get in, yeah, get them in. You know, because again, you're waiting. And Once all the safety's been been done, but something you gotta you gotta get some information yeah. on this stuff, because man, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it it you're again, it is a unknown. Yeah, yeah, people forget. If and these things always worked, then we cured FSHD and every other disease ages ago. These clinical trials have been going on. Movies give people the idea that yeah, clinical. It's all about just getting into clinical trials to be cured. You know, but uh, yeah, people forget. It's 
You are a guinea pig. All right, now it's so, okay. So we, we can just go on forever, you know us, and um, you know we still haven't gotten to the muscle strength metrics. Um, Renee, we're going to get to that on the next podcast. Yeah, I promise, Chris. We'll, yeah, <laughs> tell we'll we'll do it. <laughs> we've we've actually be more prepared for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, really, it's just yeah. I mean, you might say that this is why this is like just version two of the previous one. Probably, we're probably going to get a doubly long list of <laughs> complaints <laughs> about but, all sorts uh, of things. We'll see. No, but I just hope it's clear. Just remember. The point of the clinical trial is to test safety first and then efficacy of therapeutics for everybody. We are responsible to the entire worldwide FSHD community. You are doing a great service to the FSHD community by participating in clinical trials. And there is risk. Okay. Yeah. And there's potential benefit, but no guarantee of benefit. Yeah. Okay. That's, That's it in a nutshell. That is, if you get nothing else out of this podcast, that's what we want to say. All right. Everything going to trial has sound scientific background backing, you know, or else they'd be, like I said, or else they'd be running in an offshore place. Um, you know, so, you know, we, it is important that all of these get filled out and it is important that, um, the, to see them go to completion and see the results and, and see what's going on. Yeah. We're going to learn something no matter what, even, even learn from failures yeah, and mistakes. Okay. We learn on everything, so it's very important. It's yeah, it sucks if you're one of those people that you know what, but you can't, you don't know which one that is. No yeah. one, there's no way to know. That's right. Okay, and then finally, I guess uh, you know, honestly, I think that there's not going to be any one therapy for FSHD. I think that we need multiple successful things. Some might work better for different people. Mm-hmm. Some may be better for younger people. Some for older people. Yep. Some might not work at all for some people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have other things going, you know, rebuilding muscle different ways. And, you know, the good news is, you know, I kind of tease about the community a bit about some, you know, there's some bad players. There's a lot of good players out there. Yeah. And there actually is an awful lot of really good technology out there and a lot of innovative people. Yeah. They just don't show that stuff in meetings. <laughs> you know, it's just... They don't issue press releases every two weeks. <laughs> this the is... really good work is done in secret. You know, people... You know, Kate Therapeutics just came out in of stealth mode, and someone pointed out, "Hey, Jones, you're on their SAB Scientific Advisory Board. They have an FSHD program." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on behind the scenes that you don't know nothing about, and we can't tell you about. Yeah. A lot of stuff, a lot of things going on. That's the encouraging you know, message. <laughs> a lot of times, the um, anyway, I'll just leave it at that and say, um, it, it really is positive. That's not a cheerleading thing. Every, you know, we're just trying to tell you. We want you to have. So I don't know, maybe I'm answering my own question from the beginning. Is it worthwhile to have the podcast? You know, we want you to be educated so that you know what's going on because, you know, I say you only care about yourself, you know, but yeah, So if only one person out there got something out of our podcast, something positive, and everyone else hated us and threw rocks at us, would it still be worth it? Well, most people hate us and throw rocks at us already. So it's just it actually. And we've so, been doing it so this not, whole time. So not a whole lot. Not a whole <laughs> lot. Nothing's change. changed. So nothing We're going to keep doing it. We always said if one person, you know, we can't yeah. believe more than one person yeah, listens yeah. anyway. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, Caroline, let me know. <laughs> tell you, if I lose Caroline, then we're oh, done. That's it. We're if done. If I lose Caroline out there in Canada, man, I'm gone, yeah. man. And Renee. Maybe, and, and Scott. Now, I got yeah. a few, I got a few diehards. Kate, <laughs> Kate over there in the UK. Yeah. Wolf listening, you know, I got, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I got Ricardo. I haven't heard from Ricardo in a while. Oh, I hope you're still man. doing okay over there in Germany. Um, maybe, maybe people just don't like, I make too many offhand comments. I won't sail in Germany. That's right. You did that. So <laughs> yeah, you did sell, thank oh, thank you, Ricardo. 
how's the book going? Well, things things slow down after a while, you know, seven seven months of targeted Facebook ads, and uh, it's it's gotten a little slower, but still, people are still reading and, and they're still liking it. So this yeah. is Chris Prohibition yeah. by Chris Jones, <laughs> and um, it's uh, it's getting critical critical acclaim. Critical acclaim, yeah, that yeah. is true. That's actually true. All right, well, some people book. don't like it. All right, we're, all right, we're gonna. Right. So should we sign off with uh, "God Save the Queen"? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Look it up on YouTube, folks. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Let's dispense it for us. All right. We'll catch y'all later. Jagger's going to bring us home. Jagger the kids, bring us home, man. Thank you for listening to the MyFSHD podcast, where we share with you the latest news and information on FSHD as we strive for a cure. Do you have a question for Peter? He'd love to hear from you. You can reach him at peterjones at med.unr.edu. Thank you for listening and join us again next time for more news and information.